0: Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? Did you know that on average, a household with at least one credit card struggles with over $15,000 in credit card debt? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault credit card debt happens to good people credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates and low minimum payments before you know it you're in over your head national debt relief has helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our debt reset program that will dramatically reduce your debt down to a fraction of what you owe our debt reset program is customized to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment if you owe over ten thousand dollars in credit card debt or even personal loans call 800-277 ninety four ninety. There are no upfront fees or out-of-pocket expenses. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how the debt reset program can work for you. Eight hundred two seven four ninety four ninety. That's eight hundred two seven four ninety four ninety. Eight hundred two seven four ninety
1: four ninety. The following is a live, copyrighted presentation. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Radio Law Talk with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law.
2: We're back. Second hour, man. We're, we're, this thing flies by. We were talking about Weinstein the first hour. Yeah. And, and we're going to continue with that. So let's... It, we it, we hate to beat a dead horse, but it gets to the interesting thing of what the jury's doing right now, the questions they're asking the judge, and then we're going to move on from there. We're going to talk about the Bloomberg debate, not about his height. But about that uh, non-disclosure <laughs> agreements, that's all I hear about is height the whole time. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, really, again? Um, I did see a pretty funny spoof on it the other day, but I was i was laughing. Uh, but And then we're going to talk about uh, the latest 5-4 vote on Friday by the Supreme Court. Again, 5-4, that.
3: not a reference to Michael Bloomberg's height. <laughs> Sorry.
2: He's not 5'4". four. Uh, yeah, five I, I one. think he's like 5'3". I think he's about 5'1". But anyway, because like, I think make,
3: he'd take
1: 5'4 as a compliment. Oh,
2: thank you. <laughs> and not only that, but guess what? Not only a compliment. They're going to talk about my weight because I weigh up. I'm pushing 200 pounds now, so it's going to look pretty embarrassing.
1: Todd weighs 5'4". Yes, I, I weigh 5'4".
2: We're also going to do a case or no case. Call us at 855-LAW-RADIO. Again, 855-LAW-RADIO or tweet us at Radio Law Talk. Uh, I think Twitter has not... Uh, thrown us off the Twitter page yet. We brought up last week how Twitter suspends us temporarily because we talk about Weinstein. We think it's like just algorithms. Did you know that, Denise? That we found out they were suspending our Twitter account because every time we would talk about Weinstein, I guess that there's things that you discuss in there that uh, that it automatically throws the algorithm off, and they got to review it. And then it comes back on. Twitter puts us back up. Because remember, we're politically neutral. Yeah. We, don't, we don't take one side or the other. And uh, we love to talk about the law. Remember, these are all allegations. Innocent until proven guilty. We are only talking about general topics of law. Do not quote us to any court of law, and go seek local counsel. Because you know what? The only time we allow you as the hosts. There's only one time, Denise, right, that we allow them to use us. And where
4: is that, Denise, that we allow them to use Radio Law Talk? Well, I think there's two, around the water cooler and then around the dinner table. Uh, With who? With your in-laws. <laughs> in-laws.
2: That's exactly right. That's the best time to say what, Todd? When they say
4: what? When well, they in-laws? You know,
3: they say that uh, back in uh, ought to the court, did. you can come back and say, well, I'll see your they say, because we don't know who they are. And I'll tell you what Radio Law Talk said. And, and then somebody will say, well, did Todd say it? Yeah, because if Todd said it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Did Denise say it? Yeah. Okay, we'll listen. Did Fred exactly say not. it? Did Fred say it? Maybe. Did Cal say it? Well, he's probably the smartest one of the bunch, but he doesn't no. have a degree. Smartest Alec of yes. Alec of a bunch.
1: <laughs>
2: www.readylawtalk.com. You can read our disclaimers and enjoy them. So before we get to anything else, the most important thing people are here to listen to is case or no case. Roll it, Cal.
1: All right. Here we go. Now it's time to play Case or No Case. Yay! Interesting story about a sorted chapter in American history. I take it out of Mississippi. Where a gentleman by the name of Ranjan Barta, Ranjan Barta, was watching the Spielberg movie—pardon <clears throat> me, Spielberg movie about Abraham Lincoln, uh, trying to pass the Thirteenth Amendment in the final months before his life was stolen by John Wilkes Booth. By 1865, three quarters of the American states had ratified, but there were four holdouts. Among them, surprisingly, Texas—I say surprisingly because I didn't know this. Just to me, Texas was a holdout on slavery. Mississippi. Mississippi finally ratified the 13th Amendment in 1995. And yet Mississippi was still a slave state. And you ask, how was that possible? And Mr. Barta asked how that was possible. So he decided to seek counsel and find a legal remedy to help make Mississippi get up with the times when it came to slavery. And so I'm going to ask you, Denise, you went first. Last time Mr. Penny Dealers left... Case or no case.
2: So again, let me make sure I'm clear with this. After the 13th Amendment, Texas and Mississippi were the holdout. There, there were, were four, four total, but yeah, but yeah, those, but those the, were the two, those are the
1: two most latest ones.
2: Latest ones, right. and the individual brought a lawsuit for what now?
1: To get the ratification that the legislature in Mississippi had provided oh. to make
2: it to get it so to that make they make it
4: so they ratified right. Right. Yeah. the 13th Amendment. Because Correct. Mississippi
2: Correct. apparently they passed it, but they but the Mississippi legislature
4: wouldn't ratify
2: it,
1: right? Incomplete ratification process, gotcha. correct. Okay.
4: They just the legislature has to ratify it. Yes. It's I like got when it. you became a state, you had to ratify the constitution and does that start with an R or? I think it's ratify with a T. With a with Q. A T. It's <laughs> a Q. Not, <laughs> not like, you ratify <laughs> like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to ratify. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, I, <laughs> I
2: told <you laughs> ratify that. It was awesome. <laughs> I man. thought it was like a, it was a rap rap song or yeah, something. I was be. a little confused there. That would be rapify. Rapify. <laughs> it's a rapify. Different thing. Rapify. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, rapify. Uh, I'm stalling because I have absolutely no idea what the answer is, and I have no legal uh, legal discussion. So I'm going to say no case, just because I have no idea what the answer is. I'm just saying no case. I don't know why.
1: All right, Mr. Kuhnen, what say you? Do you say this is a case,
3: or is it just something Cal decided to make up? Well, it wouldn't surprise me if this was a case. So I'll say it's a case, and I'll say that ultimately it was ratified, but I'll explain why this would happen. Because if you so re- if you recall from our constitutional discussions and from reading the text of the United States Constitution, you will learn that a constitutional amendment, a constitution can be amended mm-hmm. by... It doesn't require a unanimous vote of all the states. It requires what three fourths of the state legislatures to ratify, and there's got to be at least a two thirds vote to even propose an amendment. There's a whole bunch of things. Long and short, two thirds
4: vote in the in the House and Senate, correct?
3: It, yeah, two thirds votes in the House and the Senate just to propose the there amendment, and then a three quarter ratification right. three-quarter of all right. the states. Yes. Correct. Exactly. Right, right, right. Uh, the, the salient point there is that it does not require unanimous consent of all the states in order to justify and, and amend the constitution so if mississippi wanted to hold out that's fine the constitution's still amended once that happens once the constitution is amended any law on the books in a state that's contrary to the constitutional amendment become null and void whether the legislature gets around to withdrawing it or not so It can technically stay on the books, but it is of no effect. They'd be slapped down harder than you can say howdy if they tried to enforce their legal laws uh, of indentured servitude in that regard. That's how it happens. It probably did. My guess is I'm going to say it's a case. And ultimately because this individual took – measures to do what he did they ended up ratifying that amendment in mississippi
4: and you know after the death of um lincoln his predecessor probably would not have um signed off on this amendment right does a president have to sign off on amendment to the constitution uh.
1: I don't He has to sign off on the bill before it goes to Congress. I mean, the,
4: I know yeah. when it gets back yeah. from Congress, he would then I'm sign sure. it or I, veto it. No, I don't I, I, don't, right? so. I, don't, yeah,
3: think, I don't think no so. the, the veto power of the president only applies to legislation. I don't believe it applies to constitutional amendments. Okay. because because the constitutional amendment is a vote of the people. The same people voted to create the constitution that gave him his power. Ultimately, the people have the power, so I don't think that the president has a can veto that. Okay. And uh,
4: that's yeah. kind of what I felt too, but I didn't know. I, I wanted well, to it, second. Well, it's opinion. an interesting
3: thing, isn't it? And it's yeah.
1: interesting that something like slavery would still be on the books in states. Now, Texas finally ratified when they became a state in 1875. Now, before you give too uh, much uh, info, before
3: you give too much input, Denise hasn't given us her answer. Well, yet. No, I'm just passing I'm wait, that I'm along. I'm waiting
1: for no case here. And, so. And, and your answer is yours as a case, <laughs> and the and case, the, and, the, and it
3: was uh, ultimately ratified. Yeah,
1: okay, Denise, your answer
4: is what? Yeah, but he, he brought a case to sue who? I, Okay, this is an incident, and and he he took measures
3: to make sure that the ratification took place. I don't know that he would have standing to sue anybody, but what he did ended up leading to the amendment being ratified by the the Mississippi legislature.
4: Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, I'm glad we had this discussion because you gave me more time to think about my answer because (laughs) what I think is that— I think that um, Cal has been reading history books, and he's been having a lot of fun reading a history book about the 13th Amendment and all of that stuff, and I'm going to answer when we come back oh, from break. Oh, don't you die.
5: come on. <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Let
4: Cal
2: take us out. We're going to case or no case with Denise's answer when we come back. It's a
1: fascinating story, and it's not in the dustbin of history. It was forefront, at least for this guy, who saw a Steven Spielberg movie and said, What about us? At least that's what I'm alleging. So the answer is coming up to case or no case very shortly. Don't go away. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help.
2: Hi, I'm Frederick Penny of Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. I bet you're tired of hearing lawyer commercials. So just relax and listen to music for a few seconds. you or a family member has been injured call 800-616-4LAW or see us at pennyassociates.com. see that wasn't so bad
3: i'm going to quick quack car wash get my car washed make it quick quack pretty shiny sexy just because i want to don't drive dirty gonna give my car suds at the quick quack car wash It's the quick quack, quickest and the cleanest by far. We're talking three skinny minutes, sitting right in your car wash. A hundred feet of cloth, washing your car at the quick quack car wash. Any Honda, Mazda, Ford, or Chevy, Sauber, Cadillac, Quick Quack. spruce her up just like that. You'll be happy-looking, snappy. You'll be glad you was at the Quick Quack. Car Wash, get on the web and go to DontDriveDirty.com and see where you got your closest Quick Quack in the local area. Get in your car. Get in your truck. Get on the road and come visit the
5: duck at the Quick Quack Car Wash, where your car will always leave happy, guaranteed. They take pride in being clean and green by conserving and recycling the water they use only at the Quick Quack Bar Wash.
1: All right, guys, we need to have you read some lines for our disclaimer promo. But first, can anybody tell me what a disclaimer is? You're listening to radiolawtalk.com. And now back
2: to your host, Frederick Penny. All right. Tell us, Denise, what's your thoughts? You've waited long
4: enough. Okay. So I believe that BARTA filed a declaratory relief oh my action to determine that the Mississippi slavery legislation was unconstitutional and that he wins. That, does that make sense? That was totally so intelligent. With, with the
1: net result of what?
4: <laughs> that he wins. That the, the it is determined that that slavery is they unconstitutional. Oh, they ratified. No, it. No, and then the legislature wanted to stop the embarrassment and ratify
3: it. Let's well, make sure. Uh, do you, uh, Cal, were you saying ratification or certification? Well, the, the amendment
1: was already ratified, but... When you hear oh, yeah, the answer, right. you'll know the question. Okay. When you'll hear the answer, you'll, I mean, when you answer, you'll understand. So Denise, you're saying case, and he wins. Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. So those of you who say it is a case, and, and like I said, I was shun- stunned to learn this when I started reading. The answer is yes, it was a case.
2: Dang it! <laughs> darn it! Darn in, it! In darn other
1: it. words, in other words, that's what happened. Okay. And fascinatingly enough, we don't need to editorialize about the practice of slavery. The practice ended as a practical matter of federal law when the 13th Amendment was passed December 6th of 1865. Mississippi had said, yeah, we ratified that amendment um, in a largely symbolic gesture in 1995 because the law was already a, a federal law, but they did not send along the certification of the ratification to the federal government, which says a lot about the sentiment at that time, at least with that one official, even in the midnight late 1900s, right? Interesting to think about.
3: It was 95, right?
1: 1995, wow. right? So, so uh, the federal government finally, it's the, the people at the, the office that publishes the federal register. You have to send the ratification to the, to the federal register, certified by the governor, signed off by everybody. And then once they post the law, then it's the law. And that finally happened in Mississippi. I'll see if I can find my dates here without messing it up. Well, anyway, it finally happened in Mississippi after this happened in 1995. It was 2002 or something like that. I mean, it was, you know, fairly recently anyway.
3: Well, if if, if Lincoln, if the movie Lincoln by Spielberg was what springboarded it, it would have had to have been like 2012, 2013 yeah. for that day, because that's when that movie came out.
1: Right. So I'm just, I'm just trying to uh, – I did not double-check my dates. But at any rate, they got the paperwork together, sent it to the Office of Federal Register. The office ratified the results. The year 2013, wow. <laughs> it is now officially illegal to own states uh, slaves in all 50 states by state ratification, not just wow. by federal law. It was, the date fascinated me. It was unclear why this why it took so long. But uh, Dick Molfus, the Secretary of State, said, what an issue to have a filing error on. Right. Wow. And so that, so, ladies and so gentlemen. So did
4: Barta file a suit?
1: No. He just got a guy to help him. He started making phone calls and say, hey, what's the deal?
2: Well, then there was no case. No. It, but, was there a lawsuit filed? No lawsuit was filed. Well, oh, then oh, I God. win. I am the winner. There Cal, was no sh- 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 case filed. There was Hold no on. lawsuit. Cal, Cal is the... F- Historically, Cal has been You're the You've got it right. Arbiter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to award
1: the points based on the on the fact that the amendment Wait passed. a minute.
2: I said there was no case. I'll
1: give you points too, Fred. Thank you. But it doesn't no, matter. You know that know why?
2: is only fair.
1: It doesn't matter. No you know why? Because oh, as man. of next hour, we're resetting because Todd Kunin has won this round of case or no case with what? 53 points. Oh,
4: Todd. <laughs> and oh. I, I don't even know what the point counts are. Todd wins. Well, I can
1: tell you. I'd be glad to tell you. Uh, Todd had 55. Fred had 46. And Denise... Now, had, uh, let's see, you had 26 plus the times you were gone, 28.
4: She had about 30 or 32 points. But here's the
1: point.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, you don't understand why we're talking numbers. What happens in case or no case is the first one to 50 points becomes (laughs) the winner, and the other two hosts must buy dinner for that host. So, Todd Cunin, Denise, and I have to take you to dinner at his choice. And by the way, the last time I won. 100 to was it a hundred and twenty five dollar plate it was about hundred and twenty five bucks a plate yep. hundred and twenty five bucks a plate and i enjoyed every bit of it now and, unfortunately and the good news is these folks are not competitive in the least no! <laughs> no.
3: what's best for these two is well, that i'm a cheap date well cheap,
1: you're
2: a McDonald's <laughs> guy i
4: know that no i the good thing is that each one of us have won that's right one time well here's the uh, negative here thing though. no i won twi- oh you won no, twice, twice.
2: I, I tell you here's the negative part I guess we didn't really say the full details. I can see Todd going, you know, I'd like to have dinner at Spooners in, uh, <laughs> no, <York>. <laughs> in uh, Monterey, California. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, that's yes, going to take a long time. Yes, yeah.
6: yes. Ooh, giving me well, some not?
2: excellent ideas there, Mr. Penny. Thank you very much for the suggestion. So the third hour, we will be playing Case or No Case again. Yep. And yeah. Cal, it's about...
1: The third hour is case or no case.
2: Let me look. Where is it? Well,
1: it's that's here. okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. A guy who decided it was appropriate to sue his lawyer from southwestern Idaho okay. decided I need to sue my lawyer.
2: All right. We're going to finish up on some Weinstein here this hour really quick. Those of you who haven't followed us the second hour, it's the deliberations right now of the jury. They asked a few questions that we want to go over, and I'm going to go over really quick the eight main questions they asked. I'm just going to read them. The first question is, uh, what's the legal, they want to know the legal definition of the term consent and forcible compulsion. The second thing they asked is they wanted the blueprint of Weinstein's Soho, that's in New York, his Soho apartment, where uh, Haley says that Weinstein forced um, things on her. Fourth, they wanted to understand the statute of limitations as it relates to uh, Scoria's. Uh, a rape claim in, in 1993. They also wanted reread and re-explain the first two charges. They also asked for emails between Haley and Weinstein. This is these are the individuals you know claiming and the length of the conversation. And and they asked also Wednesday afternoon the jurors asked to be read the actress Rosie Perez's testimony, what she told jurors that that uh scoria told her about the rape and then finally all written in the gi- digital communications mentioning scoria including the emails pertaining to private investigators tasked with keeping tabs on her this is crazy this is crazy we're going to be back and talk a little more about it then jump into
4: some more interesting things hey call us at uh 1-855-LAW-RADIO that's five two nine seven two three four.
1: Much more things coming up right here on Radio Law Talk. All you have to do is listen on your station or online at radiolawtalk.com. Thanks for turning us on. We'll be right back. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm.
2: Many women have so many clothes in the closet. But then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. Ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time. And it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable. Things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to... L-E-T-T-Y and Company dot com. Letty and Company dot com.
3: Are Are you serious? serious? Oh, that's down.
1: Radio Law Talk. Now back to the show.
2: So we're we're beating a dead horse here, which is the Weinstein case. But the jury right now is deliberating. Uh, they are. It looks like they're they're struggling to come back with a verdict. Uh, they have a lot of questions. We're gonna find out next week what happens. We we clearly, as Todd said, it just th- this is good for the defense, which you've been on that side, okay. and, and, and we they're just we're gonna find out next week.
3: It means the defense has done their job, and uh, another thing is that the jury is not just oh, he's a creep let's find him guilty and get out of here. They're deliberating, which regardless of what you think about Harvey Weinstein. You always want a jury to do that regardless of the case.
2: For a long time, too. It's not exactly. like one day. So uh, just so you know, Bill Cosby's was uh, was two days. yeah, And it was a total the of... The second trial. Yeah, the second trial, uh, 14 days. So uh, this is dragging on. So we're going to talk about the Bloomberg debate, the Democratic debate. Now, Bloomberg, for the first time, qualified to be able to debate... The rest of the Democrats and the last Democratic and Todd's laughing because it, it is a. Sh- they talk about him being too short, and that's really a uh, apparently. And we're again, we're politically neutral. I but was just saying, it's Trump, nice to have a billion dollars at your, at yeah, your disposal. That's
3: you exactly do that.
4: well. That, he, he bought in, got yeah. to the debate, and who fell out? Steyer, right? Yes,
2: yeah, yes, Steyer, yeah, Steyer's Steyer's is not on. on. And so what's interesting, Denise, is that that the argument for the you know the big argument for Democrats is you got this rich, powerful guy with millionaire or billionaire. billionaire that it... No, I'm talking about Trump That and they pound on that. Now Bloomberg's moving in with the same basic credentials trying to, quote, buy his way in and there are some real issues there and he gets up on the Democratic platform and the stand during the debate and Elizabeth Warren
4: says what, Denise, to him? Well, she questions him about his non-disclosure agreements with women and his... Um verbal and maybe other types of abuse of women allegations allegations allegations, but there were settlements involved and there was non-disclosure agreements involved and she challenged him uh to say let these women out of their non-disclosure agreements at their decision and let him talk about what happened. Well, and he said there, there's only three cases. And uh, describe what a non-disclosure is to me be oh, before uh, we get into this. Well, a non-disclosure agreement is where you agree that you're not going to talk to anybody else about the facts in the matter that are being settled. And if somebody does talk about it publicly, then it can be they can be sued right. under the contract because that's breach of contract. Right. And these non-disclosure agreements have been used by multiple. People to try to keep bad conduct, um, whether it's corporate or individual bad con- Alleg- conduct, even alleged though. See, yeah, a lot even of times alleged.
2: it's settlement. When there's a settlement, they they say, "What, Denise? We're we're not saying we're at fault, but here's a non-disclosure agreement." And usually, Denise, that means they got to pay a little bit more, doesn't that? I mean, even though that's not that's not what you do, but. They've got to pay sometimes.
4: Yeah, but sometimes the victim, alleged victim, doesn't want it to be disclosed either. Exactly right. So when you come to that kind of a meeting of the minds, that's mutual consent. And that requires mutual consent to get rid of that provision in the contract.
1: Go ahead, Cal. We laymen always wonder, well, why would you pay hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars if you didn't do anything wrong? Sometimes it's to avoid the cost and the public embarrassment, but really, you've got to think. If Mr. Bloomberg has three of these, no. my my layman's brain said there's something under the rug that he. When you sign this paper, it stays under the rug, and which is wrong, right. Cal. The you I, know
2: why that's wrong? Yeah, and I don't know why. That. You know why that's wrong? Because a lot of times people settle because of you. You're putting it in, and I'm a I'm a judge pro temp, so I'll get in the middle and try to settle cases yeah, for over. the courts because they're overworked. So what that is, Cal, is it's not worth the risk. Let's say. Uh, you know, you, you did X, you, someone claims you did X and Y, and there's about a 10% chance, Cal, of the jury finding you having done that and paying out big money. Maybe you say, look, I'll pay you 10 cents on the dollar, you know, just to get rid of this thing, just for the, just so I don't have to go through it. That's what happens a lot of times,
1: Cal. I know the time yeah. I was sued as as, in, as a news guy for some something I was alleged to have said, I, we settled for literally pennies. And the reason was just to get something into federal court was, is a quarter million right. dollars in that's legal exactly fees. Right. And the insurance company said, we'll put up this small amount and we'll just give them that, they'll go yeah. away.
4: That's a you cost know. of defense. A yeah. lot of times right. that yeah. is what happens is you would pay to the other side the cost of defense. Yeah. Better to pay them than to risk having to pay your attorneys more. That's yeah. that's kind of right. the idea behind that. Right. But, you know, let's say you're running for public office and you don't want somebody to come out and say something about you so you get in advance of it, right? And you pay for a non-disclosure agreement. Agreement, and that's what you, you you do. So Bloomberg had three. Yes. That involved women. There were probably other ones for business related, but this was about alleged misconduct of Bloomberg.
1: I mean, he has money. He's going to be a target. He's get used to be it, a right? He's target. He's going to be a target.
4: And right. apparently, he used to be kind of callous in his jokes. You know, saying jokes in in the in the employment workplace, and he admitted that one of them. Involved him saying a joke that was, in, you know, impropos or whatever. Inappropriate. It was yeah. inappropriate. Yeah.
3: Once, once it was known that uh, Michael Bloomberg was going to be in this debate, and they'd right. known for a couple mm-hmm. weeks, uh, then the news stories started coming out about conduct. One of the things was it's about a 30, 35-page booklet called Quotes of Michael Boom, Bloomberg that was promulgated back in the 90s as a joke for something, but it starts out at the front saying, every quote in here is true and accurate, I make no comments about this, and that's where a lot of these allegations and, and unsavory things attributed to Mr. Bloomberg uh, came from, and I mean, rightly so, probably, the candidates jumped on it and asked him about this, but right. the question I had about uh, non-disclosure agreements. Now, in a case where somebody accuses Mr. Bloomberg of something if if all if the only evidence was that person's word against Bloomberg's word and there was no other corroboration from any other witness who was told this or present or anything like that to me that doesn't seem like the type of case that would warrant that much of a settlement because there's no corroboration you've got nothing okay maybe there was maybe there wasn't but if the case had corroboration with other people and Bloomberg entered into a nondisclosure agreement with the complaining slash victim, I'm using air quotes, that nondisclosure agreement would not prohibit any of the other witnesses who saw it from talking, right?
4: That's Be- right. That's that's what leads me to believe that they're kind of minor incidences which, which... because he's already said to them, I will release them from the nondisclosure agreements at their choice. Which and this
3: makes me think that one of the chief considerations for a non-disclosure agreement is that Bloomberg doesn't want people knowing how much he paid to settle this suit because he doesn't want to advertise, "Hey, if you want a quick quarter million dollars, make up an uh, make up a, an ex, uh, an allegation against me. It'll bring it and all enter into an agreement, so, and now you, you're $250,000 richer, or whatever exactly. it is. A chief consideration is just I don't want people thinking this is a meal ticket. It has nothing to do with the veracity of the allegations. Right. And again, necessarily.
1: that's the hazard of yeah. being well to do in America. All of a sudden, the laser beam is on your bank account from anyone around you yep. who thinks, what can I do to get my hands on that?
2: Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. anyway, that's 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 where we are. And we're going to last I read is he's saying that he's going to probably release it. No, he did. He yeah, came be, out oh, and he? said he did. Because it's
3: yes. the debate. He resisted it. And they were saying, well, oh, you know, I don't know that I, I don't intend to. And he really resisted it. And I think it caught him off guard that they were going to It gonna totally talk caught that. him off guard. And so when he got back and talked with his advisors, it was like, look, you might not want this information to get out there, but if you want to be president. You're going to have to take this one on the chin. And right. they're
1: going to say, look at look at our sitting president. He hasn't exactly been calculating with things that come out of his mouth. So right. how much worse or less is it going to be than that? You have a standard already. You're probably going to be fine. Right. That would be my theory. He actually,
2: yeah. again, not to get political, he actually has – his argument is a smart argument. I mean, a good argument is he's like – It's not, legally sound. Well, not just that. But you know what his argument is politically is nobody – you guys can't beat Trump because he can argue economy, economy, I can do it. I'm a businessman, I'm going to be able to do the same thing. That's his argument about why he should be the Democratic
4: nominee. Kind of a good little little twist. I, what I just trying. wonder, when did Trump become a billionaire? Because it had to be during the time of his presidency. No, no, he was a billionaire before.
1: Yeah, he's but, been, he's oh, no, way he's before. had so
4: many bankruptcies and stuff. But, but no, his, he, has he, he, he
1: has not.
2: He
3: had business no. entities, have entities have had entities, bankruptcies, yeah. but not him personally. He's yet. never declared yeah, a bankruptcy. I, I
4: don't believe he's a billionaire. Okay, I really well, do well, We should probably look it up. We'll find
2: out. Well,
4: we, we'll got know than, when we get the tax returns, he, he's right? Got, he's got more than you and I, right?
2: <laughs> However much
4: it is, Absolutely. I'll, take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll Todd, take it. Todd may have more <laughs> I will <was> <laughs> say, Bloomberg did
3: pick up an interesting endorsement recently. I won't tell you who. All I will say is, go ahead, make my day. Yeah, uh, really?
2: Unless yes. yes. he, he
1: switched over. yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, so, oh, wow. so we're going to talk about the, the recent 5-4 uh, decision by the court about immigration. And uh, Sotomayor is not too happy about it. We'll be back.
1: Interesting conversation. We are full of them here on Radio Law Talk. You're welcome to join us by picking up the phone and calling us. You can tweet, you can text, you can Facebook, doesn't matter. all over social media, all over your radio, and all over the Internet at radiolawtalk.com. Stay tuned. The show will continue in just a bit.
4: Fancy Pants peanut butter? A big screen television? You haven't even bought a sofa yet. A motorcycle? When your father finds out, he's gonna flip his shoes with two buckles? What do you even need two buckles for? Mr. Big Shot, buying whiskey shots for everybody in the bar. From the looks of it, I'd say nobody even remembers. Feed the pig.
1: All right, guys, we need to have you read some lines for our disclaimer promo, but first, can anybody tell me what a disclaimer is?
3: Time to get back to Radio Law
1: Talk on Radiolawtalk.com and on your favorite radio station.
2: So there's a pol- there's there's a policy within the United States that uh, discusses as follows about immigration, and the the U.S. government is claiming they have the legal right to deny immigration in the United States um, uh, of people who might require or have required in the past public financial assistance and that's what they what they uh they're able to ask them the new policy basically says among other things to legal immigrants coming in they ask the question have you ever used food stamps been hospitalized for long-term care uh have you you know basically has the government had to take care of you or cover you through taxpayer dollars and or i think it even gets into you know do you have a job what's what's the situation so what lower courts have done is they're putting injunctions on that. And that's what happened in Illinois, is there an injunction and that's what everyone's like, oh this is about a issue of immigration. Well, it's kind of more about the issue of lower courts deciding a whole national issue out of Illinois. And that's kind of what Todd you brought up with the way you thought about it. Exactly. So
3: what we've seen happening recently and Justice Thomas on the Supreme Court was the first to really talk about this concern, and I uh, I believe he raised it in an opinion, his concern about the practice of a lower court, a federal court, issuing an injunction based upon a belief that the party in an appeal will ultimately prevail. So it hasn't been decided on the merits yet, but because we think they're going to win, we'll issue an injunction that will stop a practice altogether. And Justice Thomas has expressed the concern that that practice has picked up a lot of steam in the last decade, decade and a half, and that at some point the US Supreme Court's gonna have to address the propriety of lower courts doing that. In this case here, uh, there was a challenge to this immigration law, and, and that case has not been decided yet. It's still making its way through the courts, but a lower court determined that the likelihood that the law, as passed, as enforced, would be struck down was so high, they said we can issue the injunction now. Right. They don't
4: just look at the the whether or not the likelihood of success. They also have to look at irreparable injury. Well so if, if the argument on the side of the um immigrants is that if they have to disclose that they have received food stamps, for example, or living in a projects for example, then they have they are disclosing something that's going to automatically Make it so they cannot immigrate here. They're going to be, you know, no, they're no, not no, going to be. Not no, 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 it's not
2: automatic. No, it's 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 something that's discretionary, but it's something that they take into consideration. That's the issue. They don't want them to ask it. But what the whole point comes, I'm not trying to disagree with you, but the issue is really not the, the Supreme Court. The majority basically said, yes, that's kind of an issue, but the real issue here is stop doing injunctions lower court you're that's that's not your job i know you can do it at times knock it off just let it go through the system that's the big argument here is because stop. the
4: supreme court wants yeah. to see how the social right. um you know, society reacts to it and right. and the implications of it and you know all of that but i'm i'm just was arguing what they argued at the yes. trial court yes. level so, for the injunction they had to argue some kind of irreparable injury right, to that, that, that's right, true right. but
3: you know the opposite <clears> is also true that if the court issues an injunction sometimes and the case ultimately wouldn't have merit well then it there's a lot of damage and sometimes irreparable damage to the law that was being imposed that sought to being enforced at a certain time if the court put the brakes on it and said, no, that cannot happen. Uh, Now, sometimes that happens in other cases where timing is of the essence, but that is a problem with the preliminary injunction process is that one party or the other is gonna be harmed by this if it doesn't turn out the way they think. If the case is ultimately lost, at trial or in the appeals process, and the party that was prohibited from doing something has been denied the ability to do that for quite a while. And the converse is true as well.
4: Well, we, so, we have to make sure that we're this is not legislation. This is not a law. This is a policy that is coming out of some, you know, department. Well, it's, it's and it's an it's it's, application of that policy,
3: it's a hybrid.
2: Yes, it's the policy's hyper- already there and has been used for years. They've just they've they made it bigger. They expanded it. Exactly.
3: Yes. It's th- There's a law that says what can and can happen as far as immigration is concerned. The policy is, well, how strictly are we going to enforce that? And most of the stuff that we have seen here has been the one administration's desire to start enforcing something that up to that point hadn't been strictly enforced. Right. And so then when it's... When it starts to be enforced, that's when people can then look at the constitutionality of the law. It never came up before because you guys weren't enforcing it. But now that you're going to enforce it, let's see if it's
1: constitutional. Cal. I'm fascinated by the fact that it's in the law, and then someone starts to enforce it, and now a judge is being said, do you think— this was the intent of the people who wrote the law. But it's in the law. But I'm, it's, I'm it's just, not a law.
4: That's, well, I mean, that's, I mean the a, law that
1: empowers the agency to make the rules. It's a policy. Okay, I'm saying, but the agency is empowered by the law to make the policy and make the rules. So I, so I'm, I, that's what confuses me so much as an outsider is, okay, is it legal for them to do that or not? Well, this yeah, raises right?
3: this raises a separate concern that other people have, and I have the same concern as well. We expect that our legislature is going to pass the laws, okay, that they are going to pass a law, and that if a law is passed, you know, the details of that law have been vetted with the legislature, it's come out, they've made it, it's gone to the president's desk after passing both houses, the president signed off on it. But what has really taken place, especially over the last 40, 50 years, is this practice of... The legislature will say, well, this agency is created, these are the guidelines, and we're authorizing them to come up with their own rules and regulations to promulgate it. And they're essentially passing the buck onto the agency.
4: It's like a delegation of authority. And people
3: are coming back complaining, saying, well, if they're making decisions that are going to affect my liberty, due process and all that, how is that passing muster with the requirement that the law be passed by the house and signed by the president. So it's going to come to a head here. Yeah. Unelected like really officials good making
4: law
1: in effect, right? And this yeah. happened under Obamacare. It's happened now, and this, these have always been challenged. So the question—well, well, yeah. Obamacare
4: yeah. was a law that was enacted. Yeah.
1: But I'm saying HHS made a lot of the rules for Obamacare, and that—that that was one of the things that was challenged about this. That's the, one of another time this has come it, up. It, exactly. My but, but everybody,
4: yeah. every every administration can actually change the policy. So that means they can Correct. interpret that right. law in different ways, um, and, and so that's where a lot of 855 challenge comes in. law
2: radio if you want to comment 855 law radio what's interesting is i'm reading different there's a lot of different reports about this I and mean, it's funny to read their spin on it well the first of all the the thing that i wanted to say so to my air whether you are left right or middle is clearly hammering on the majority saying you're pandering to trump i mean that's that, that's what she's saying in between you are every time they run to, to you guys us you know, you're allowing you know them to go ahead and bring something, and we we discuss it and rule on. It. And she kind of hammers them on it. But what's interesting, a lot of people keep saying the five conservatives on the bench, and yet the four progressives. They keep, they won't call them liberals; they call them progressives. I think it's funny how they say the five conservatives and the four progressives. No, the four
4: liberals and the five conservatives. That's the way it is. They're not liberals; so they're moderates. I don't think or that you
2: de- can. Well, it depends. That's what why they say progressive. Is. That's yeah. why the pl- they're, yes.
1: they're parsing their words. they're parsing their words. My
2: point is, okay, then, then maybe the conservatives are progressive. You know, what do you? My point is, the, the semantics and the words that the media is using out there cracks me up. It just depends. But it depends which side's using them, Denise. That's what I'm saying. But, but you know, some say, oh, they're progressive. No, some say they're liberal. And some say that they are conservatives are conservative. No, they're more progressive. So it's I'm just saying I'm not saying which side is which. It's just interesting the words that everybody starts using. The
3: biggest concern I have with the dissent that Sotomayor wrote is again, this is a case that's still working its way through the appellate courts and hasn't reached the Supreme Court on its merits yet. This is just about the preliminary injunction. But her opinion talks a lot about the merits of the underlying case. And my question is, have you already made up your mind how you're going to rule on the case when it gets to you based upon this opinion? And if so, should you recuse yourself when it finally does get here? That's the question that she's going to have to answer at some point in the future.
2: Hour number three, we're going to talk about Roger Stone very briefly. And who's paying a $113 million bill to Michigan in a lawsuit? And also, psychiatric testing there was a a new uh uh, i'm not gonna say a poll but a but a test study that came out by asu and usc about psychiatric tests in a courtroom and whether or not they're valid we're going to talk about that third hour join us we'll be back
1: 113 million and you thought your water bill was high we'll talk about that next hour right here on radio law talk so don't go away
5: Hello, this is Wayne Allen Root, relentless conservative warrior, middle class warrior and always Trump warrior. I have a message from my fellow patriots across America. President Trump is making America great again. He's the only president in my lifetime who is keeping his promises. And his biggest promise is to build that wall. President Trump can only do it with our help. If Congress won't fund Trump's wall, we will. President Trump is one man against the world, and what globalists and socialists around the world want is clear, open borders. It's time to take a stand. We either build a wall, or it's the end of the greatest nation in world history ever blessed by God. That's why I founded the Root for the Wall pack, 63 million Trump voters together will raise the money President Trump needs for the wall. Anyone who donates $100 or more will get a beautiful commemorative wall brick. Display it proudly. Call 844-ROOT-WALL. That's toll-free. 844-ROOT-WALL. Or go to rootwall.com. We will build this wall together. Call 844-ROOT-WALL or go to rootwall.com. Root for the wall pack. Pay for it. It's responsible for the content of this message. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Rootwall.com.